Hey, this is Barbara Corcoran. You are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This episode is presented by AT&T Business. Hi, Barbara. My name is Hannah, and I'm from Brainerd, Minnesota. I was just wondering what a polite but assertive way to ask for a raise would be. What kind of key points do I want to hit? That would be great. Thank you. Bye. Hannah, I could tell you're extremely polite just by the way you phrase your question. You don't have to worry about being polite. Uh, I would think you might worry about being over polite (laughs) and not assertive enough. You're the kind of person with your very lovely manner, you could be super aggressive and nobody will even read it as that because you have that nice soft edge to you. So go into this whole question with the idea in mind, you want to be assertive. You don't have to worry about being too assertive, it's not your nature, okay? So with an eye toward assertiveness, here are, I believe, the essential steps to asking for any raise from any boss in any circumstance, okay? First of all, understand that bosses don't give raises to people for doing the same job they did last year. A lot of people think if you spend 12 months at a job that the boss thinks you should be rewarded. No, he hired you, she hired you for a particular job that you've done for 12 months. And if you've done that job well, in my mind, that doesn't merit a raise. It just means you've done the job you got hired for, okay? But what bosses give raises for is when you take on more responsibility. You're doing a different job today than you were hired for 12 months ago. So what you wanna do is you wanna walk into the boss's office with a list of your new responsibilities, what you were hired for, what you love doing for the company and for him or her, and the additional responsibilities you love doing for him and her or the company now. And you wanna point out very nicely the list of what has changed in the job and how happy you are for the responsibilities, but you'd like to be compensated for it. That's reasonable. Only a crazy boss would look askance at that. So that's one. Walk in with your list of new responsibilities if you want to get a raise. Number two, make an appointment with the boss. I'm a boss. I hate when people spring anything on me. I'm sorry to ask you, but right now I'd like to ask you about a raise. I'm like, no right away. Okay, no. Give them a warning shot. When you say to your boss, can I meet you next Friday sometime? I'd like to discuss my position at the company. They know what you're coming after, but give them some breathing room so they can prepare themselves. It's a human thing to do to make somebody be more happy to see you. That's what you do. So ask for an appointment in advance. Next, you should go in knowing what you're worth. Take your job responsibilities and title and go online and see what other companies are paying. You might find that you were hired as an assistant bookkeeper and you were being paid $55,000 when you started, and now you're able to be the full bookkeeper, and maybe the market is paying 100000 You don't know, but get out there. At least look online and seeing what other companies are paying for your position. You should have that number in your head, knowing what the competition is paying. It's good for you to know what you're worth. So find that out online. It's so easy to check. And next, don't expect an instant answer from the boss. You don't want to end the meeting as a closer saying, so what do you say? 
What do you say? Am I going to get a raise? No. No boss wants to have a gun to their head. Say, so can you give us some thought? And can we meet again next week? That's the gracious way. And of course you're going to do it that way because I could hear in your voice, Hannah, you're so lovely that you're not going to be threatening to anybody. And then make sure you say how much of a raise you would like. I'd like you to consider giving me a $20,000 raise, a $5,000 raise, a 10% raise, but always ask for more than you want. And the reason for that is it's a negotiation. And a boss never gives you what you want. They usually want to give you a little less because they feel like they got themselves a good deal. So make sure you ask for the amount that you want and make it a little higher than you really think you want, okay? And then go back the next week. If it happens that you don't get the raise after that kind of preparation, then you have the right to say, can I visit you in three months and what else do I have to do to merit a raise? Get a job order. What else do I have to do to get a raise? Put the boss on the spot. If you think you merited, they're not giving it to you. Ask them how you could prove that you are deserving of a raise. And don't leave the office on the second visit without getting an answer to that question. It's only fair play. It's not asking a lot, okay? Hannah, just make sure you go growling at your mirror for about a half hour before you go into the to the uh, boss's office because you are so nice. I could picture you thinking you're being a killer when you might be looking like a puppy dog. So rawr, rawr, practice being aggressive. Put a leash on you. Rawr, rawr. <laughs> That'll help you get in the right frame of, frame of mind because you're so nice. Hey, Barbara, it's Ryan from Scottsdale, Arizona. Big fan. Love you to death. But uh, my question is, um, what do you think about real estate investing um, currently with what's going on uh, in the world today? And what strategies would you start with if you were to start over right now? Thanks so much. You're the best. A couple of thoughts come to my mind, Ryan. Uh, maybe not in this order, but let me just get it out there. Uh, number one, in today's environment, super competitive I don't care, unless you're in the office market, that's not competitive right now because they're suffering because of the change that the pandemic has made to the commercial landscape. But I'm gonna assume you mean residential because that, I don't know, somehow I think you mean residential. So I'll answer from that perspective, okay? Um, realize that that market is so super competitive. Uh, property is flying off the shelf. It's very hard to bid competitively for an investment pro uh, property right now because everybody else is. Say, so are you competitive by nature? I would say that would be number one. If you're not competitive by nature, maybe you should be doing something else because it's gonna take a competitive person to make money in this kind of a market. That's number one. Number two, be aware of what side of the equation you should be on. And this is my theory. People who invest in real estate, I invest in real estate. Okay, I love real estate. It's a slow way to get very rich in my book. I like it better than any other kind of investment. I trust it, okay? But there's two sides to investing in real estate. One side is you're the money guy. You got a lot of money and you want to invest in real estate. Or you're the other side. You got a lot of knowledge and you know something inside and out. So let's say in your neck of the wood, you know your neighborhood, you know your township, you know the good blocks, the bad blocks, the garbage routes, the school districts. You know it inside and out as to how to identify great value, all right? Maybe you should be on that side of the equation and focus on that. If you've got that, you'll have money people join you and you could start a fund. 
It's an easier thing to do than you would envision. You only need one partner to start. I want to tell you a story to prove to you that this is a logical uh, way that the business goes and to great success. When I was starting out as a salesman, I had no money. I was just trying to make those commissions to pay the bills. I had no business investing in real estate. But when I finally got money to invest, extra money, I had no time. I was running a big business focused on that. I had no time. What did I need? I needed people who knew the market inside and out, and they became my partners. So I had 10% partners in the different boroughs because they found me the right real estate. They took 10%, I put the money in, I took 90%. That was great for them, great for me. But I had the right partners on that side, they had the knowledge, and I was their right partner, I had the money. So decide second what side of that equation you wanna be on. It's very hard unless you've got a lot of cash and you have a lot of time, which isn't a lot of people, for you to be on both sides of the market. Choose your side and get really good at either the money side or the knowledge side. But don't try to do both unless, again I say, unless you're loaded with money and have no job and have all the time in the world to get really smart on the experience side. All right, so that's it. That would be my uh, suggestion, but remember that first question, are you aggressive? If you're not aggressive, this ain't the market you wanna dip into. Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. Now let's get back to the show. Hi, Barbara. My name is Emily, and I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have about three rentals and two Airbnbs. With the money coming in, should we pay off the homes one by one or put that money towards something else? Thank you. Well, Emily, I would say that it depends on uh, one thing only, your appetite for risk. If you're buying these properties and doing well that you have the money coming in, good for you, you have a successful business. But how much of it do you want? Would you feel more comfortable if you doubled the number of properties you're managing and renting out? Would that be cool? You're probably doing some amount of renovation, I would think, too, on the front side. Is that something you have the bandwidth to absorb and you and your husband love that kind of thing and you have the time to do it? Then I say go for more. Go as far as you can and you have stepped into the most golden part of the investment community, real estate. Because once you have those first few properties, you have a gold mine. You can leverage, leverage, and leverage again. And this is what I would suggest. I would not pay off the mortgages unless this is a goal you serve that you are feeling nervous and you want to get rid of the loans, then go ahead and do that. But if you're not feeling that way, I would remortgage all those properties. If they're making money, the bank will give you a bigger mortgage. And if you go to the bank and remortgage those properties, you could take that cash that they give you and buy a lot more properties. That's how the big guys do it. Anyone who's grown rich in real estate do it with leveraging. And that's basically the question you're asking. Should I leverage my properties or should I pay them off? And that takes me to the first question again. It depends upon how comfortable you are with risk. If you're gonna sleep well at night and own double the properties with the cash you just got from the bank, go for it. You're gonna be filthy rich, not just rich. But if you're not gonna sleep at night and be worried, it ain't worth it. You only got one life, you got a good thing going, why not continue what you're doing? That's it, my best advice. And that's all we have time for today. 
If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.